Evening from 6 till 7 on 93.3 and AM 560, the new KWTO. It's what the hill? What? I understood that reference. The latest happenings on Capitol Hill with Elijah Harshow contributor Joel Cannon on KWTO. Hunter Biden's getting offered get out of jail free cards. But Joel, that's not the only thing going on in Washington, D.C. What do you got for us today? Funny you would mention jail. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Bureau of Prisons today. Yes. So. The inside of which that. Hunter needs to visit. Just, yeah. just a little bit. Some shock time. Um, yep, I agree with that. And uh, actually, it's funny. I got on the Department of Justice uh, Inspector General's page to look and see what new reports they had. And they have issued a 128-page report about the care and over like how how they handled jeffrey epstein in prison and so i I can't even go into that one today but i want to because i'm going to read the whole report and figure out because you know he was only there like a month and didn't go so well for him so there's a whole report about what facility he was in how he was handled and stuff but um it kind of leads me into like the bigger issue i wanted to talk about today which I don't know if Washington is focused on it, but they certainly should be. The state of the federal prison system is not not good at this time, I would say. And there's a lot of stories that have been coming out about federal employees who serve as um, they work in the prisons. And there's like a slew of stories about sexual abuse. Um, the people, the, the guards and the people that work for the feds in the prisons that are supposed to be handling the prisoners, and there's been a, a slew of sexual assault convictions. Um, there's also a new story out of Boston where a prison employee accepted uh, like $90,000 in benefits from a prisoner and got like a $50,000 loan from a prisoner's associates on the outside. So, so there's a slew of these stories that I kind of wanted to go over today, but thought I would start at the beginning. So the Bureau of Prisons, it is under the Department of Justice. They get almost $9 billion a year. So last year they got 8.7, and that was a 7% increase. We have 122 federal prisons scattered across the country. And the taxpayers pay for... 38,943 federal employees at these prisons. This is, you know, intake, security officers, health care, all the, you know, maintenance, all the things that it would take to run a prison. And right now we have about 153,000 federal inmates. And there's a, there's a big push to look at the Bureau of Prisons and just really our criminal justice system back in 2018, Congress passed the First Step Act, which was supposed to, you know, reduce recidivism and address a lot of the conditions and take a look at the population of those in prison. Um, Trump signed it into law. It was a big deal. So um, it's been five years now since that bill was passed. And the 
Government Accountability Office and the OIG have both put out reports basically saying the prisons are not in compliance. In many, in many cases, they're not in compliance with the First Step Act, which required them to have these assessments of risk and all these programs that were going to help keep people that when they got out of prison to help keep them from going back in. Um, right now, 45% of those released from prison end up, from a federal prison, end up back in prison after three years. Um, and both GAO and um, OIG have said they're not doing a good job. They don't have accurate data. They, they cannot do accurate risk assessment, and we really haven't seen much improvement, um, which is, you know, unfortunate, and there was a lot of money spent on that. So a couple things came out of that bill, one of which was this idea that the Department of Justice Inspector General could start conducting unannounced, on-site inspections of federal corrections institutions. So they did their first one this year. So in between January and January 30th, they showed up to a federal correction institute in Waseca, Minnesota. It's a low-security female institution in, in the south part of the state. They showed up unannounced, and they, they kind of walked through, the OIG walked through in his report why they picked this facility. It was a low-risk one. It, it wasn't high up on the high-risk activities. It's an all-female facility. Um, they were interested in the fact that it was a female facility because, there's, like I said, there's been this high number of sexual assault and harassment investigations that they've been handling, and they even note that in their report, which came out a couple months ago. Given the high number of these cases, we wanted to look into this facility specifically and see what we found. Um, you know, overall, they said it's an, it's an overly, it's pretty well run, not that bad, but they're understaffed, and they did find um, there's basically a slew of problems conditions at the facility. Many inmates are living in the basement. The, there's, roof, there's leaks everywhere. The, the roofs are wet. There's piles of, like, water laying around. There's all these staffing shortages. Um, they, that the psychology department was low. The, even the correctional officers, the ones who are supposed to be there to help maintain order, they don't have enough of those. Um, not nearly enough staff discipline. They found... 38 open staff misconduct cases. So open cases that have been open an average of 221 days um, looking into problems of federally funded staffers at this one facility of the 122. Um, so 38 of these cases open with no resolution, and, and these people are still employed, even though there's open problems um, and concerns about how they're treating you know, how they're treating inmates and maybe even sort of financial benefits that they're getting on the side. It was, they said it was pretty interesting at their facility. They, they were in the middle. They, a lot of people said, well, there's not a lot of um, sexual misconduct here. But as of the time that they did the inspection, there was five staff on inmates, sexual misconduct allegations that were being investigated, five in one facility. Um, and then, of course, they're, like, woefully behind on being compliant with the First Step Act. Um, they're 
they had wait lists for all of their programs and for helping inmates. So obviously, you know, they do this show up at the inspection thing and no one knows it's coming. Big surprise. It doesn't, it doesn't go very well. So they're doing more of those. So what brought it to my attention today was an, a new announcement last week about there is a bureau of, there's a prison in Dublin, California, and um, they have sent now eight correctional officers, eight correctional officers have been charged with sexual abuse of the female inmates. So this facility, just like the one in Wasika, is a female, a low security female institution. And they just had two different correctional officers. Um, I'm not going to say their names, but they're, one of them was 48 years old, one was 35. They pled guilty to multiple counts of sexual abuse, abusing the inmates. Some, some of them have been on staff for like 10, 15 years. And, but the shocking part is, I mean, the, the list of the things that they are being accused of and some of which they've pled guilty to, very concerning. Um, and we won't really go into all of those, but it's not the first time. They're, they are employees number seven and eight at that same facility that have um, this has come up and it's been in, investigated and they've been convicted. Um, going back to, I, they have a whole list of the cases. One person was convicted on all counts by a jury in December of 22 and sentenced to 70 months in prison. Um, another person was convicted by a jury, a jury on June 5th. That scheduling, that um, sentence scheduling is in October. Another person got sent to jail for 80, 84 months for the counts that they had. Another one was 20 months. Um, and the list just kind of goes on and on. Um, and here's the thing. Right now, there's no rule or law that prohibits federal employees who are convicted of a crime from receiving their pension or their federal benefits. So here you have all these correctional officers um, at all these facilities. And really, we've talked about tax. Federal I was going to say, this is just like yeah. this is the IRS auditors that are behind on their taxes. Yeah, 100%. So... You know, these people, even though they're getting thrown in jail, right now there's nothing to keep them from getting their federal pension. And some of them have worked in the system for 20 years. And then another story that came up just two days ago, a correctional counselor at a federal med, a fed med um, center, kind of like the one we have here, but it's in Massachusetts. He was charged with accepting payments from an inmate that was under his care um, the, he also lied up to the bank. He, he lied to the bank about a loan that he received from the inmates business associate. So this guy's 49 years old, lives in Boston. He makes false statements to a bank. He, con he conducts identity theft. He's going to end up in court later. He hasn't, hasn't been there yet, but he's been employed by the Bureau of Prisons since 2000 and had been working with an, an individual as a counselor. So that gives him like a lot of contact, right. With, with these people that he meets with repeatedly. And apparently one of the individuals that was in prison that he was counseling was an ultra high word net individual, like a ultra high net worth individual who had been convicted on a lot of federal charges in another jurisdiction, but had been transferred to his. And, um, you know, apparently the guy had given like $25,000 to the officer's family 
and he had gotten $65,000 in benefits as part of like some management scheme. So kind of crazy. But, I can't, I, um, I'm already excited for part two of this when we do the Jeffrey Epstein conversation because that's going to be my favorite. I know, but I think, you know, the short version is this is $9 billion going to 122 prisons and 38,000 federal employees, and there's clearly, like, a rampant problem with them breaking the law themselves. So All right. hopefully Washington will take note. As we do every day, Joel, we finish our interview with two questions. First is our question of the day. Question of the day today is, what is the best thing about the town that you grew up in? Hmm, the best thing about the town I grew up in. Well, you can get across town in like 10 minutes. So you can get from one end of town to the other in 10 minutes. That's pretty good. All right. And I don't know if that's all I got. <laughs> And if anybody wants to follow along with you on social media, how do they do that? Uh, Joelle M is in money, Cannon, at Joelle M. Cannon on Twitter. Uh, I, I, I really badly want you to change your, your Twitter account to Joelle Money Cannon. I, I love it. Very, very much of a boxer nickname. Yes, totally. Joelle, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. We're going to be right back. We're going to do our... Mount Rushmore, our snake draft of Mount Rushmore snake draft coming up right after these messages. We'll be right back. Hey, 